and welcome back to Is A Vision. We're so excited to have you guys. So today we're going to be interviewing Marissa Vasquez. Um, I have known her since high school, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, she was just always so welcoming, um, so bubbly and so always so kind. And yeah, you guys are going to love hearing about her today. Yeah. And I met her in 2017, I think, at a Sweet 15, and we just hit it off. Like, I really vibed with her energy. She was so, like Belly, like Belly said, so outgoing and energetic. And I started following her on Instagram, um, which is where Belly and I both found out about her mental illnesses and diagnoses. Yeah, so I hope you guys are excited, just as excited as we are um, about hearing her story. And if you guys can please stay till the end um we will be giving our feedback and our thoughts comments um so yeah please stay tuned yeah oh wow you guys are legit you got your <gasps> microphone you got your headphones <laughs> you know what? we're trying we're trying <laughs> don't mind if that i'm eating okay no <laughs> okay. no worries how are you I'm good. How are you guys? Good. We're good. Also very stressed, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Like, yeah. Are you guys in school? Like, what's you guys up to? Yeah, school. School, and I'm gonna start work soon. So it's gonna be Sorry. pretty stressful. <laughs> yeah, I'm also mm-hmm. in school, but we're both um like doing virtual. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you too? Are you going virtual or are you going back to Yeah. Um, no, I'm virtual. So I'm so mad because I'm a senior this um and I was just like wanna be with my friends and stuff, but um, you know, it's it's okay. I'd rather be safe and making the shmoney. So <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, so I'm not sure how much Belly has told you, but we really want to talk about your mental health and how that's impacted your life. Um for our podcast, we're gonna do different series. Or different seasons and this season we're talking about mental health so belly and i already shared about our own personal stories mm-hmm. so the listeners do have a glimpse into what mental mental illness illness has looked like for us yeah but we want to see what it has been like for you since you've been so open on social media that's why we picked you we're like she's oh just, my love she's gonna, she's gonna talk <laughs> she's gonna be good <laughs> yeah thank you yeah i was very like very uh reluctant with posting that because you know a lot of times crying for help you know or someone she just wants somebody to cry with her or something but it wasn't that it was like mental may was was it may yeah may was mental illness month so i was like you know what like i'm very i try to be like an open book sometimes to to benefit others it's always for others you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so thank you i'm glad i did that look where this has look where this has brought us so yeah that's true Um, and for our listeners who don't know you, how do you describe yourself? And you can be like as broad and you can tell us your whole life story or it can be as specific and just talk about like who you are like right now. Yeah, I would definitely describe myself to strangers as absolutely like energetic. I don't drink coffee. Like, I don't know how but I have <laughs> so much energy. I'm very, I try to be very positive and optimistic. Like with strangers, I never want to give them the interpretation that I'm, 
that I'm um, mean or that I'm negative. Uh, of course, people, you know, really sometimes irk me, but I will never like make it clear to them that you're getting me mad. I just try to be such a happy person. Mm -hmm. I'm very bubbly. I just want to just just make an impact on people's lives. And I'm very kind of like a mom, like I'm just a huge nurturer. Like I just really just have so much happiness. Mm -hmm. But this, well, this, my whole mental illness is, is literally like, I, I'm even still like trying to process like, okay, you're such a happy person, but what I go through is very the opposite. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get in detail, but basically the happiness is just this big mask as what we all know of where I'm just hiding and hiding and hiding so that nobody can tell that I'm going through a lot. Because like I said, I'm not very like, feel bad for me, feel bad for me. But that's what God has gifted me. That personality is just being resilient. Like that's my word. Like that is my word. So whatever I go through, I will handle that with myself and God and peers that I've that I'm trying to open up to but for the most part like I'm resilient and I just don't know how I do it it's him but um yeah those are the words I would describe myself as mm -hmm. so you said that your mental illness is masked by your happiness so like what is it that you deal with that that you feel like you need a mask yeah um I'll list out the disorders that I have um mm -hmm. it's a lot <laughs> um, definitely depression definitely anxiety anxiety has gotten a lot better there's a couple like episodes that i'll have um uh, this summer i just got diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder mm -hmm. where for like two weeks i'm on this high where i'm like let's let's do this let's go for a run let's go to new york let's let's like let's just do something motivational i just have like this random energetic i'm like cleaning i'm doing this and then I have so much energy that I just crash. And for the next two weeks, I fall into this huge, 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 like the depression where mm -hmm. I, it's the complete opposite. I don't want to do nothing. It gets bad that I don't eat. I can literally go hours without eating. So eating is also something I'm trying to get better at. Um, I don't, I sleep a lot, like mm -hmm. a lot. Um, I don't, it's hard for me to get out of my bed to even take a shower. Like I can mm -hmm. go nasty as it sounds but days without taking a shower because I have absolute no energy anymore my moods are off I'm not motivated so that's just a little glimpse of bipolar because there's two different types um and uh, and this other disorder I've had since I was 12 it's very rare it's called trichotillomania trichotillomania is definitely linked to like OCD and anxiety where like you just always need to be doing something so for me this is actually like the second time I've ever shared about this with anybody where I'm just picking my eyebrows. Um, people pick, pick their eyelashes or their hair. I pick my eyebrows. So this eyebrow actually I've been picking and I've, I draw it in. So that's why a lot of in school people would make fun like, oh, you have like brick eyebrows. <laughs> like, oh my God. But I know, but they didn't know. Like, yeah, I go yeah. through this. Like I literally, and here's the thing, everybody, not everybody. A lot of people know me. Oh, the girl with long, long nails. Mm -hmm. I get long, long nails, not because I like getting nails, but that's my only way that helps me to stop. The longer I get it, I can't grab, excuse me, I can't grab the hairs. Mm -hmm. I've been going through that since I was 12 and I just can't seem to stop. Um, 
and I right now I don't have my nails because I'm trying to train myself to not rely on getting nails but it's been I've been better but it's this eye this eyebrow I've been like particularly like kicking at um that's another on I I don't want to say anger I mean I think everybody gets angry and it's not really a disorder but it's something I was struggling with this summer but it wasn't just like oh I'm upset it was like having these like outbursts of just wanting to punch things people like hurt myself and stuff but um but yeah bipolar anxiety bipolar 2 trichotillomania I don't want to identify as the anger issues it's not really a disorder um that's I think what I can think of yeah right now mm-hmm. so yeah and do you take any medication for any of those things or um how or if you if you do go to therapy um how does that work alongside with um your diagnoses mm-hmm. so growing up my mom was very anti anti-medication mm-hmm. relatable so that also yeah that also played a huge part in my life um and also in the latino community therapist is not the most essential thing it's like get over it other people go through worse type so mm-hmm. I'm glad I see the three therapists. I have three therapists that I mm. go with. Um, and then I just, I didn't put much consideration into this. I think I was just really like fed up with the way that I, that I feel. Oh, I forgot the other disorder, ADHD. Big mm, okay. one. That's <laughs> number one. Um, <laughs> I forgot. See, my mind's racing. I don't even remember the first one. That I all good. All good. Um, yeah. Um, so this summer I did try out. Uh, medication for bipolar and it's I'm just so stuck like I don't really think I needed it because yeah my moods I get like those but ADHD is the one that really I need help with so that's what I'm going with my therapist right now saying I think I want to be offered the (laughs) bipolar one and switch to that and she's also saying like which what do you think like help me out here like which one is it and I'm like I don't know. That's just my mind for you. I'm just very like, I don't know. I just know I go through a lot and I need some help. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was very, very disappointed in myself that, wow, like you really came to a point where you thought you needed medication. Like you're upsetting yourself. Like, and I even thought in a Christian view too, like I want God to be my doctor, my miracle worker. Like, and I'm, I'm relying on a substance to help cope with that. Like I felt bad. I felt bad that and I'm like, is it really that bad? I'm, I felt bad that my mom's against it. I felt bad, like, my Christian beliefs as well. Like, you know, and then I felt bad other people go through worse, where, like, they're on medication so that they're not suicidal. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to get off of it, but I'm talking with my doctor right now to switch to ADHD because, if anything, that's the biggest factor that I go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it like when you told your mom and other friends of yours that you were experiencing some mental health issues and that you did want to reach out for help? So definitely my mom, as I said before, growing up, she was very like opposed to it. And, like, no, 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 like, no. And now she has gotten better. She doesn't mind that I go seek therapists. In fact, like she supports that. But she still has that huge Christian belief. Like you want to be healed you go to God, you want this, you go to God, 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 you shouldn't rely on the world. You know, my sister's the same way. Um, I don't think this is really important to share, but my sister's Jehovah's Witness. So they're very like strict with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'm not, she agrees with therapists, but she's very like 
opposed. So I kind of got some negative experiences with my like with my um, immediate family and with friends. Friends are, are have been really great to listen to me um, and have experienced you know bipolar depression. Uh, excuse me, um, anxiety and depression. But maybe I'm being really stubborn or selfish when I say this, but I kind of thought I would get more support or check-ins with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think to them it's very common that people go through depression and anxiety, but I feel like someone that really is diagnosed has different layers and different levels. And to them, I think they just kind of think, oh, I think she just gets in a day when she's just really tired. It doesn't feel good. It's like, nah, like <laughs> I go days without eating. I go days without showering. Like I not suicidal, thank thankfully to God, but like, you know, it, it gets pretty intense, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love them. They're a huge support system, but I will admit, I did kind of expect them to kind of reach out more or even ask about my story. They just kind of know the basics. They don't even know about trichotillomania. They don't even, bipolar was new this summer. They didn't really engage in that. I told them, but, and I kind of think they also don't understand too, or maybe they're just not there yet to open up about their stories, but yeah. Um, so you did already mention that you, your first diagnosis was when you were 12, but when did you first confront yourself that you needed help um, in terms of, of your mental illnesses or just like your struggles? Like how did you realize you needed help? Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, I was in high school, it was sophomore year. Um, they had like free counseling in the school and I would seek and choose an internship. And so I met with a lot of them because I was referred through the guidance counselor or something. And that was awesome. I really, really liked that. Um, and so there was this one time where I was just really going through it. Like I had cuts, you name it, everywhere. My face, like I just ran out. It was my face. It was, it was everywhere. Doing track was really hard because track meets, you're wearing shorts and you're wearing a tank top. And so at this point, I'm like, all right, like I need to cut like, the doors down and I need to be completely honest with myself that I'm not doing good like looking at my body I'm not doing good like losing weight and I'm already I'm already skinny and so I don't know what really specifically happened because that day was a blur but basically I met with her and I just kept repeating I'm not okay I'm tired I'm tired and then next thing you know I like blacked out and I had like a huge panic anxiety attack where I was on the floor I was like I remember I think I was just like aggressively like just trying to flip the tape and I was just crying in the hallway. I like everything was kind of a blur. Um, she took me immediately to the guidance counselor. The nurses came and then they called my mom and I was just like, no, don't call my mom. Don't call her. Like she's like totally against all this. She doesn't get it. She don't care. Blah, 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 this and the other. My mom came in and they were sharing with her like she's she's just not good. Like she's not doing well. They told about the cuts and my mom's like, she just copies her sister. Like that's what her sister did. So my younger daughter just copies what her sister does. Um, so, and I was, I, they looked at me and they were like, crap, you were right. Like there's no way of getting to your mom. Um, so then I think for like a week or so, maybe two weeks, I was pulled out of school and I had to seek Elliott Resource Center in, in Lynn. Um, and I had the option, they did an evaluation with me that I had the option to stay with them um, 
overnight or to go to like a camp or to just stay home and not go to school and just do like evaluations, workbooks and, you know, get check-ins and stuff like that. I was very like filled with anxiety because I love track and Mm -hmm. it gave me more anxiety. If I missed out school, I'm going to have to come back and then make up all this crap. So I said no to the camp. I said no to staying overnight with them. And I just went home. And those days were really depressing because my mom didn't know how to react um, or anything, you know. And I was just really alone. I just slept and just cried and just slept and cried. And that was really it. And then I wasn't allowed to go to track practices. Um, And just going back to school, I was like, I knew it. I'm going to be piled and piled with workload. And I was, but I got through it by by the grace of God got back on track um and yeah that was just the point the breaking point where I was like I literally got pulled out of school for this like let me check myself out real quick like I'm not I'm not Mm -hmm. doing good yeah Mm -hmm. other than high school how has your mental diagnoses like impacted your like life choices like I know you went to I know you're going to school in Biola so what was that like moving out of state and how did um your mental health um react there and I mean just other things like how did you choose what major you did stuff like that Right. Yeah. So going to Biola, I was very like shocked with myself. Like, whoa, you about to go across the country, country. Like, are you scared? Like through the whole process, I just went, I didn't really put much think, like, I didn't really have like thinking process. I just went and that was a lot of courage in me. And my four years at Biola were, were, were good. Like, of course they were very hard, but I'm just thankful that I was actually scared like am I gonna have another episode and this time I was like it's gonna I feel like it's gonna be worse because I have nobody like no family to pick me up or something like that or stay at a home um but I have a really good friends like support system with my friends and stuff and I didn't really have any like traumatic experiences like that there was just days where I didn't like feel motivated to go to class and I, I still struggle with eating and stuff but nothing traumatic it was very surprising so college is much more of a better experience and and then I went from being a psychology major which I love and miss and now I'm a sociology major so emphasis in social work so Mm -hmm. I just have a huge passion for kids and I can't even process what it's like to go through more traumatic experiences that those kids endure and knowing that their family neglects them families could be drug addicts and they're literally living in this environment and mental illness is just going to form at such a young age. Like, I don't even want to think about the suicidal rates for our generation, our mm. younger generation right now. So I just have a huge um, passion of, I don't want nobody to go through anything or even worse. So that's what my major right now. Um, I want to definitely work with kids and families, but I have a huge passion for working with juvenile delinquencies is because, oof, I could get into that. But yeah, that's my really main um focus right now is juvenile delinquencies I mean get into it like why why that mm-hmm. certain population mm-hmm. I wasn't a tr- troubled child growing up um you know never got incarcerated or anything but being exposed to a lot my family they're very violent all of, a lot of them are alcoholic or drug addicts my mm-hmm. dad uncle Thea, you name it have been in jail so that was kind of like the lifestyle that I'm used to you know I didn't grow up Christian I just came to Christ probably like five years ago and so I have gotten myself in certain situations with um the police so yeah I wasn't a trouble kid but I have you know got in in trouble for stealing etc um 
and so I'm just thinking about these are the most important ages where where kids juvenile delinquents really need a role model you know a lot of them say I grew up in the streets because that's all they know at home there's really nobody there you know at home there's not really a lot of they don't have they're not inspired you know their parents neglect them their parents don't care for them and so I'm thinking about this is how mental illness starts is when they don't have a role model this is how trouble starts is when they don't have a role model like and them being in jail that's that's all they know you know that's why I'm really passionate is because I want to be a social worker for them where I inspire them I motivate them I listen to them and I give them a guideline of look life is like there's so much more to life than just being locked up in a cell when you already feel locked up in your own thoughts Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so you so from what you're saying I'm assuming you just want to shape the younger generation to prevent what what you experience what you've seen in in your family or in your friends um in terms of of you know yes. trouble in in that area yeah that's yes. awesome yeah that's- they're really they're really lucky to have you like once you finally get done with college through all whatever certifications <laughs> they're gonna be so lucky to have a social worker like you yeah thank you, ah, thank you. <laughs> um so what are some stereotypes that you want to break about mental health? And you can be yep. as general or as specific as you want. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely that this is not a cry for help. When people are sharing their stories, it's not for like, feel bad for me, give me all the attention. It's either what I'm doing to benefit and help and you know start like a chain a domino effect of people opening up mm-hmm. you know or it's because someone actually really needs to be heard and this is like a really you know touchy subject for them and now they're coming out you know so they need that support you know mm-hmm. they need that intention you know but i just really hate how society is just like oh they're just doing this for attention like i've heard mm-hmm. that so many times and it even has made me stop want to share and I, and I for the most part am an open book because I have came to a point where I'm not afraid to talk about my story like, like I said I just want to inspire people you know I when I shared that hot trickle mania for the first time ever in my life I got a dm on instagram and someone shared I struggle with that too and I was like and she said I never thought anybody else was just like had mm-hmm. what it like been through that and I was like what I would I don't know anybody in this world that has that has not in the world I don't know anybody in my life that has had that and she doesn't either you know you see where it brought us mm-hmm. you know you know so that's what I'm looking for someone to to want to do the same thing and give a domino effect and she's not ready to open up about it but you see like that time it's time and it's growth that I came to do that so yeah I just want to break that whole stigma of like oh they're just doing it for attention and I feel like us as younger the young the young generation and our generation are really doing a good job so far at talking about mental illness and schools are trying to incorporate that um it's just the families are the ones that you know are old school and older generation that older generation Mm -hmm. and that need to still understand but I feel like this is what I feel like 
the younger generation and our generation are going to be the ones to continue to establish like this is what needs to be heard so more stereotypes that I could think of is just like oh they're crazy I've gotten that so much they're crazy oh crazy people equals like psychotic equals people in like the mental hospital you know there's a lot of like judgment and um, people that make fun of people in the mental hospital or people that have more an excessive um, diagnosis like schizophrenia you know so it's just I don't like that phrase of oh you're crazy or psychotic like that's another one that families have used too like oh she's mm-hmm. just crazy she's just psychotic like stay away from her she's sick you know yeah. I hope I think, that answered the question yeah of course I think the stigma ends with our generation and I think it'll solidify with the next generation because there's there's no way you can avoid it like it's all over social media it's being taught in schools I think that mental health is going to be a staple from here on out yeah for sure mm-hmm. and and you know getting rid of of terminology like uh, like that you know um and and people think that it doesn't affect the person you know that you're they're using those words with but it really does and it it doesn't it doesn't further them it doesn't help them improve it just holds them back and it makes it makes everything worse so having a support system definitely makes such a big difference it goes down to just your words with them like how you speak to them. Mm-hmm. So um, ending that is so important. And like Isabella said, and like you said, it's definitely going to end. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. It's going to end. Let's speak right. in existence. Yeah, we're, it's going to end mm-hmm. with, with this generation. We're trying to do our part by having this um, piece in our podcast and having- This is the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, so- what piece of advice would you give someone who's struggling um, with confronting their mental health? Mm. The biggest, not the biggest one, but just something just quickly popped up in my head is just, you're not crazy. Mm. You're not sick. You're not psychotic. You're don't identify. Don't let those terminologies, as you stated, determine your life and your mindset, because when you start believing those lies, that is how mental illness is going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're believing those lies and you're convincing yourself that's who I am. And this is not going to help the future and your growth because that's all people have identified you as and you're going to believe those lies. So mm-hmm. that's when you look in the mirror, you're going to start thinking, yeah, I am crazy. I am psychotic. I am sick. I have problems. I will never get better. And then you start saying, I'm ugly. I'm not worth it. And then boom, what is the biggest one that we're all trying to avoid here? suicidal thoughts and even trying to commit suicide and so my thing is just try to speak love like here's what I think like my with my depression like I can't I don't even I can't even move in the bed and I'm literally like I if I keep telling myself I can't do it I'm not going to do it so little tiny even tinier baby steps is what I suggest when you're going through any type of mental illness that you're going through I literally have to like move my toes first and then I have to move my foot on the edge of the bed. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then I have to move like the leg on the edge of the bed. And then my hip on the edge of the bed. And then eventually I'm just trying to pick my body up from the bed. All I'm trying to do here is I'm just trying to get up. That's the same way with mental illness is just baby steps. So be patient with yourself. Because I'm literally mad at myself in the bed. Like, why can't you just get up? and go to the shower and just go for a run like why can't you do that but if I keep 
giving myself that anxiety. I keep letting myself down. And if I keep believing all the thighs, you're so lazy, you're so crazy. I'm not going to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I'm not because I'm believing the lies and I'm convincing myself that. And the support systems, having a healthy support system is those people that will help you speak love, you know, into, into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely try to open up, but I'm even still struggling with that because I'm very particular about who I open up to. Um, but I think it's really important. Maybe if, if you don't feel like your family's going to be the su- most supportive, then I wouldn't go to them first. I would go to, you know, friends or mentors that you think would support you. Um, definite. I had one good one in mind. Uh, I forgot. I'm losing it. I'm going to just keep talking though. But yeah, just being patient with the growth and please don't be alone and don't end your life over something that you feel is going to be external. I mean, eternal when it's really temporary. Um, and it, it, don't be afraid of getting help. Like, I don't care that I see three therapists. A lot of my friends laugh at me and I'm like, I don't care. Like, I want this growth more than anybody else and nobody mm-hmm. else is going to change me. So I don't care what you guys say. Like, call me crazy. But yeah, like, I got problems. We all do. But I want to get better. And I know I was in a really state where I didn't want to get better. It was weird. I liked being depressed because that's all I knew. That's mm-hmm. all I was immune to. That's all I was comfortable to. But there's going to come to a point where you're done. Like, you're fed up. Like, what I was when I was in that therapy session at, in high school, I was like, I'm done, I'm tired, like, I'm really done. And, you know, I was so done that I, I was like, yeah, I, I need help. Like, I'm just so done feeling this way. I'm so done with feeling alone. Um, you know, so you, there is going to be a breaking point, but don't let that breaking point be traumatic, you know, mm-hmm. life, life-threatening. Um, and be just my big thing is just be patient with yourself. Like, it's not an overnight thing. Um, I one analogy that I'll leave off with is, is like getting surgery. So say for instance, you're getting leg surgery or knee surgery. You're not going to get better overnight, girl. It's just not possible. You've got to be patient with yourself. At the, when you're first getting surgery, you're going to go home and it's going to hurt and you're going to be put on uh, a cast and, and what is it called? Crutches? Like bed rest or? You're gonna, you have to use crutches before oh, you yeah. Crutches! Yes, yeah, okay. crutches. And <laughs> you can't do what you normally do, walk or run, you know? And I, I bet, I've never been on any crutches or a boot, but I bet it's really frustrating. It is. I bet it's really <laughs> depressing too. I remember you were, oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, tore my ACL, couldn't walk. Yes. For like a month. Yeah. Yikes. See that? <laughs> You know, I bet you was really frustrated. I bet it was really depressing because all you have to do is rest when our human nature is to do things to get up. But you got to be got to be patient with that process. Mm -hmm. You got to learn to love, you know, yourself. You got to learn to be patient with your leg. You got to learn to just listen to the steps that the doctor has recommended you, you know, and then, you know, then you notice, oh, I went from being on crutches to now the boot. Oh, now I'm going from the boot to, I don't know, another, another stage. And then physical therapy is what I like to call counseling, you know, therapy, emotional therapy. <laughs> yeah, we're know? following. Where, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Where you're getting that training, where they're helping you just take baby steps. They're helping you analyze what's the next steps now. And then six months later, or perhaps more than that or less than that, you're, you're better. Are you going to be completely better possibly but are you still gonna have time for like your knee or your leg aches absolutely but Mm -hmm. be patient with that you know so 
that's one of my best analogies like to use is just be patient with your body and your mind but it's just not an overnight process and yeah no that's great I think that's what I have to say if that makes sense <laughs> yeah no it totally fall like correct me if I'm wrong but what I can understand from your advice is one don't identify your like don't make your mental illness your whole life your identity like, like your yeah your identity you're more than your identity you're more than what like you suffer with and mm-hmm. two be patient with yourself and realize that everything takes time and three look for help yeah that's awesome thank you so much marissa um and to finalize our little chat there's a, this is a question that we we're going to ask all of our guests so the mm-hmm. question is what is your vision for your future and the vision that you see for the future in general so it's your future and then the future my my future that I, um, my future would be, I want to cut off the distraction and the temptations. So I'm going to be really honest, but one of the huge roadblocks in recovering my mental illness is definitely men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not getting that father figure. I'm like, ooh, I would love to be held. Ooh, I would love this, this, that, and the other. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it distracted me and it was just temptation. And if anything, I let my mental, I said, Here's my mental illness. Here you go. Make me feel better. Make me happy. You know, come to my come to my house and bring me soup when I'm feeling when I'm not feeling right. Like speak love into me. Make me like convince me that I'm beautiful. Say this. Say that. You know what I'm saying? And nobody can do that. Nobody can heal you. Nobody can make you happy. They can contribute to your happiness. But so for my future, I just want to break that of learn to be okay with being alone. I get it. Nobody likes being alone because why your thoughts can get intense. Mm-hmm. But I just want to tell myself like, stop relying on men. Men can't do that. Men can't give you that. Find yeah. happiness within your own self. I, exactly. I just want to find happiness within myself mm-hmm. to end that. And then for the future, is this a future like what I would hope to see? Like, with you, like Whatever it means society? for you. Whatever it means for you, however you interpret the question. Um, hmm. I guess I'll just talk about, yeah, like the future generation is to really hold strong and being okay with opening up stories. I, they're doing a great job so far, but it's going to get really intense where people are still not going to be okay with opening up my fear has been for the younger generation that a lot of them at such a young age are getting into sex to addiction so you name it you know gang violence you know and those are ways that they think can cope with mental illness but it just makes it worse Mm -hmm. it just numbs you you're high or drunk for i don't know two hours and then you're back to being sober. And then you don't like being sober that you keep doing it again and again and again. So I would hope that the future generation would see how dangerous these temptations can be and that the word void is not in the picture. I want them to be healthy about their decisions and health and healthy in a way that, okay, I'm feeling depressed. Let me sit with it. It's not going to be comfortable, but let me sit with it rather than drinking or smoking or having sex, like I, I need to be okay with feeling this way, you know? So that's what my hope would be for the future generation is to have that 
mentality. I don't need drugs. I don't need sex. I don't need that. I need to be okay with feeling this way. I need to open up to my peers and my loved ones. And I need to be patient with myself. And I know that there's so much more to life than just drugs, alcohol, and be suicidal and all the ways that are roadblocks in people's mm-hmm. lives. So that's one of my fears that I have with the younger generation. But I, I want to hope that this future generation will, com- will continue to cultivate what's going on. And I have faith in them. I really do. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Of course. I'm excited to be able thank to you guys. Share with thank us. You for and of, of course. And I hope that whoever listens to this can relate to you. And um if you could drop your Instagram name. So okay. and then, you know, if they ever feel like they want to go look at your posts or maybe yeah. want to DM you if you're okay with that. Um, yeah, drop it. <laughs> okay, it's at Marissa Vasquez, M-A-R-I-S-A-V-A-S-Q-U-E-Z-V. Well, you Perfect. guys heard it here first. Yeah. DM her. Period. Talk to me. I, I'm, I will, I'm just, I'm a big listener, so I want to listen to people. Like, if it's just a phone call of me putting myself on mute and you going on a huge tangent for three hours, four hours, I'm here for it. I'm here for like that's what sometimes people need. But seriously, girls, thank you so much. You guys are the beginning of continuing to <laughs> break you. this cycle. Come on now, like that's amazing. <laughs> you guys are using your time in quarantine, or now that quarantine has ended, and you're still using this for good use. You know. Mm. And thank you for using your break time. Yeah, and and just for sharing. Oh, your story. of course, this is worth it. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, I hope you have an amazing day. You too, my love. And yeah. Yeah. See ya. (laughs) All right. Bye, my loves. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, if y'all stay till the end, you guys are real because that was a lot to take in, but. But it was also super great, wasn't it? Like, Marissa, she's so sure of herself, so inspiring. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just really loved her realness. She was just very real with, with everything she said. and Yeah, super and, honest with us. Yeah, she had a lot was, of personal things. I wasn't expecting that, but I'm here for it. Honesty is always the way to go. So, um, We did have a few things that we didn't agree with, though. Um, Fela, if you want to. Yeah, so um, she did mention how her personal beliefs don't agree with taking medication and that's why she wanted to wean off of one of her medications um and obviously like I don't agree with that Belly and I are both Christians so we can speak on our own beliefs Mm -hmm. which is you can take medication to stabilize yourself to as long as you're not abusing it you're good as you guys learned from the first episode I do take anxiety medication to help stabilize my anxiety so obviously I don't think it's a sin but to each their own Right, yeah, like you, honestly, we're not here to judge or point fingers or do any of that. Um, honestly, you can do whatever you want. And yeah, we just want to make it clear for any Christian listeners that listen to us that it's okay to take medication if you feel like you need it. Just like right. you would take Advil for a headache. Yeah, it's it's not like, oh, you know, God is my only medication. God is my healer. He is. But there are certain things that I think is okay, just like... Like, God can't perform a surgery. I yeah, mean, I mean... No. Well, no, he can't, but... He can't. 
um that's why he created them surgeons like he created us no, that's why i'm here <laughs> exactly so anyways yeah we but we did love marissa like we want to make it clear like like her story is so incredible and like what she's doing like going to one day be a social worker so she can give back to people like props to her it takes a special kind of person to be so patient and to use her own story so mm -hmm. thank you marissa for talking to us exactly yeah that's all for now. All right. Bye. Bye.